This was another one of those songs written at a difficult time in our history in America, or shortly thereafter. Again, that reminder to us of our need to know where we need to be standing and where we need to be looking for our strength and our comfort along the way. Just a couple comments on the announcements that were made this evening. Uh, one is, if you'd like to see Alex leave tomorrow morning, she's leaving at 3 o'clock. Uh, <coughs> the other is, if the regulars know of the men that meet for Monday breakfast, but if you're one of the men who are thinking about coming to meet with us for breakfast tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, it is not at Cancun's, it is at Alcapulco's. So that's just a little variation in there. Uh, so just wanted you to be mindful of that as well. We made that one change because Alcapulco was closed the week of Christmas, uh, that, that week, and then they went back to the regular meeting. So it's just a, a comment on that before you be there. I hate for you to show up and wonder what the rest of us were doing. Uh, we're down, down the road eating at Acapulco's. Uh, as we s- were singing these songs, I was trying to think about it again, that we teach and we admonish one another in our singing, and of trying to remind ourselves as we were singing that prayerfully, as Christians we know, but prayerfully we do not fall into the misunderstanding, if you will, to where we're looking at these songs as more being passive than they are being active, leaning on the everlasting arms. Well, again, you have to do more than just lean on Him. You have to do more than thinking God will take care of you and that you can stand on the promises. You have to do all of that, but they're all active teachings in our lives. He is our rock of ages, but we have to be in that rock for him to be a benefit to us. We have to remain in that rock for him to be a benefit to us. We can lean on those arms, but those arms are not stationary, if you will. They're always moving. They're moving through our lives. And that's the concept, again, of our being close to him each step that we take. But there are steps that we need to be taking to be leaning on those arms. And God will take care of you. But again, you have to be in Christ. You have to be in the will of God. And to to believe that, again, no matter what we go through, He will take care of us. But again, it's our surrendering to His will. And to stand on those promises, that's our ground. But we're to be pressing on towards higher ground, if you will. We're to be moving on and upward all the days of our lives. So it's not being stationary in our lives. And then as we're singing the invitation song, we need to learn to yield not to temptation. For yielding is sin. But each temptation you overcome will help you to be stronger with the next one. But it's an activity. It's a lifestyle. It's a choice that we make. And it's one that we make every day that we live. It's what the writer of Proverbs is doing as he writes throughout that book, get a little short sayings that he gives to us, trying to help us or to encourage us to do the things that are right, to remind us as we live our lives, it's not living your lives externally. 
you can go through the motions, you can go through the things that are being done. God's people have done it down through the years, and we do it in our day and age if we're not careful. Just going through the motions without allowing God's Word to infiltrate our heart and our mind and to change the life that we live, to remind us again we're not trying to clean up our lives. We're to have a new life, a new creation in God through Christ Jesus. So it's internal. It's where these changes need to take place. It's always been that way. Whatever we do is from the mindset that we have, making those decisions and then acting upon that action that we know that we need to do. Same is true spiritually. We always know better than we do. It's that way in life. We know better than we do. We know things we ought to do and we promise to do and and then for some reason or another, that doesn't happen. And we need to be reminded of this commitment that we're making. And to remind ourselves, when we made that commitment, the commitment that was made was to surrender the will that we have to the will of God. And to be willing to let Him, God, direct, counsel, protect, and lead us in the way that we need to be going. To trust on his word in the life that we live. My son, do not forsake my law. Proverbs 3 is where I'm at in about the first six verses. Do not forsake my law. You had to take it in. You had to make a conscious decision that you were going to listen to God exclusively, you were going to put off an old man of sin, you were going to put away the devil that is seeking to destroy the life, and you were going to become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things were going to be passed away. Behold, all things were to become new. 2 Corinthians 5 and in verse 17. Don't forsake that new way of life. It's where the challenge has always been with God's people. Again, going back even to the Garden of Eden, if you will. Forsaking the command of God. And in the forsaking of the command of God, or the commands of God, we're also forsaking the promises that he has for those who are faithful to him. Lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. That's for those who are walking in the light as he is in the light. Those who are making that decision to make that correction in their life, to put off the old man and to put on the new man. So when I do not keep his commandments, I'm forsaking his promises. And when you think about the promises that he has, we need to rethink very carefully. But let your heart keep my commands. Let your heart guard my commands. Let your heart obey my commands. And again, there's not a multiple choice given and that you can obey this one, but do not worry about this one. You can think about that one and partially do this one. It's obey my commands. It's keeping my word. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. You will do what I say. You will internalize my will 
and let it become yours as did Jesus with his Father. He would remind us over and over again, my will is not to do what I want, but to do the will of him who has sent me. My meat is to do his word. My work is to do his word. The words that I speak are not my words. They're the words of my Father. That's why Paul would tell Peter, uh, Paul would tell Peter, yes, Christ. Uh, that's why Peter would tell us, and first, I've been battling that thing for 50 years. Uh, for some reason, I think Paul wrote 1 Peter. Peter would tell us in 1 Peter 4 and verse 11, if any man speak, let him speak as it were, what? The oracles of God. That's what's to be internalized in our lives. That's what we're to be keeping. That's what's to be what our mind is dwelling on, the things that are good, pure, and, and just. Now I can use Paul in Philippians 4 and verse 8. Those things, the lovely things, let your mind dwell on these things. You do God's will, and he will guard your heart and your mind. But it's in Christ Jesus. And that's an active, continually active part that we have to do. We have to continually surrender ourselves to doing His will. At times that we, I've encouraged you, and you've heard it before, to spend some time, and that's exactly what it takes, to spend some time reading Psalm 119. You know, it's the shortest psalm there. It's the longest psalm uh, in the book of Psalms. But look at Psalm 119, dealing with the Word of God and the child of God. Almost every verse will have a reference to the Word of God and what's involved in it. You drop down to verse 11 of Psalm 119. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? Why have I hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you? I want to hide God's word in my heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart, that's what motivates us. We do things because they're coming out of the heart, whatever they may be, but that's the basic foundation that is there. And so let me hide your word in my heart so I not sin against you. Let me meditate on what God is or who God is. Let me meditate on the love that he has for me. Let me meditate on his word and the provisions that he made for me throughout his word. Look over verse 97. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. That is just, that's a characteristic. That's a mindset. That's a determination that we have or to have within our lives. Oh, how I love the law. How I love God's word. All that I read in it, I understand has been written for my benefit to help me in my life, to encourage me and to, to point me back into the right path when I stray off of it. It is to be my meditation all the day long. And down at verse 111. Your testimonies I have taken as a heritage forever. They are the rejoicing of my heart. I've taken these. 
to make them mine. They are the rejoicing of my heart. Let your heart keep his commands. Hide them deep within there. Do not let them slip, slip away. One of the problems as we grow older, which none of us seem to be facing, is the fact that the mind tends to slip periodically. Some of our minds have com completely slipped. You know, it, it, it's, it's a challenge. And there's, a, there's that need to continually refresh the mind with the Word of God. To spend some time in it. And again, it takes time to spend in it, to read and to meditate upon it. To see what it is that it has to say to us. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Both are involved in our lives. There is a need in our life for mercy. Well, we want God's mercy upon us. But do we extend that mercy to one another? Are we, as children of God, imitators of God, acting the way God would want us to act? And we get to work with that in our lives. And truth. Both are involved. Compassion and truth working with each other because we are children of God, because we are brothers and sisters in Christ, but also understanding that there are boundaries that have been drawn. And we do not draw those boundaries. God draws those boundaries. We're to be within those boundaries that God has drawn, and we're to encourage each other while we're in those boundaries to stay within those boundaries. Bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. Again, over and over again as we go through, as you go through Proverbs and Psalms and other passages of Scripture, is this reminder of keeping God's Word close to you. As technology has gone along the way and progressed down the way, and I know many of you do it, any, do it all the time, you have either the iPhone or the uh, Android or you have your tablet out, and it's easier to carry God's Word around than it used to be. Some of us used to carry around or may still carry around the little New Testament, but it's always easier when you can have the whole Bible and you can have it in multiple translations <laughs> and you can easily turn to the passages and poke the little numbers in there and come up with what you want. Carry the Word of God with you. That's what he's talking about is, you know, bind them around your neck. Keep them close to your heart. What, the, what Israel of old was to do. They always have God's word with them. And I understand it's not carrying God's word with you that makes you holy. It's not God's word that is with you that is your lucky charm that wards off the evil spirits. It does not do any good if it's not open. It does not do any good unless it's read does not do any good unless it's meditated on, and it does not do any good until it's put into practice. You've got a lifetime in which to work with that, and God grant us the time in which to make those 
decisions in our life. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Understand again what it is that God would want us to do. In the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 16, down at verse 10, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. What do you do with the little things? What do you do with the little decisions that you make? Are you faithful to God in those little decisions? Are you faithful to God in those little words that you meditate upon? If you're faithful in what is least, you can be faithful in what is much. But that's a choice. I don't have time. I'm too busy. Time to get unbusy. Somewhere down through time, as many of you find out periodically within your life, when you're not able to do anything, guess what? The world goes on. It does not stop. And things, unless you don't think, unless you're there, they're not going to get done, may not get done, but the world will go on. Are you faithful in the little things? Guard your heart, guard your mind, guard your tongue, guard your actions, and the little things. And that make the change within your life. Paul would remind us over in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. And in verse 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. We're stewards of what God has entrusted to us. He's entrusted our lives. He's entrusted our relationships. He's entrusted the world in which he has created. It's required of stewards to be found faithful. God has given you something. You may not think you have much, but God has given you something. And whatever that is, he expects you to be faithful in it. For some, it may not be more than the kind words may not be more than the letter written or the phone call made or whatever else it may be. may not be much more than the pat on the shoulder, a smile that is given, a host of things that can be done. But it is required that you as a steward of God be found faithful. And back to Luke 19.10, if you use what you have, you're going to gain and you're going to have more. If you're faithful in the little, you will be faithful in the much. God has a way of doing that. And unlike the business world, there's a difference. In the business world, there's a saying, or I don't know if it's there any longer, I'm not in the business world, called the Peter Principle. And the Peter Principle is that you will be promoted up the line till you reach your level of incompetence. It's there. You do good down here, you promote it. You do good here, you promote it. 
you do good here, you promote it. And then you finally reach the point where you're incompetent. You can't handle that one. It's the way the, the, the world works. Just look around business worlds and see if that doesn't take place at times. Spiritually, it does not happen because we don't ever reach that one of perfection until we reach heaven. So you can be moved up the line as long as you want. Whatever you have, it can grow and multiply. And God will use it. That's the beauty of it. It's not me. It's God using it. I'm again just being the, the servant, the steward of what God has entrusted in me. And I have to believe if God created me in his own image, if the Spirit dwells in me, that there, are, there is more that I can do than what I think I can do. Because it's never me. It's always God working in me. And that's what we need to realize in a life that we live. The first and the foremost of the commandments was to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Matthew 22 and 37 and following. And it's interesting because as those discussions were made during the days of Jesus, there were those who had the attitude, I have kept the commandments of God from my youth up. But then asked the question, what I lack? But I have kept the commandments of God from my youth up. But the first one was not kept. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And one of the other gospels says, and with all of your strength. Love God that much. And then everything else falls into place. Any relationship that you encounter is under that umbrella of loving God first. It changes how you relate to spouse. It changes how you relate to parents, to children, to brothers and sisters, to enemies. It, it changes everything about life. Employer, employee, all of that changes when you've learned to do that first one. You love God with everything you have. That means you're going to give your life to him. You're going to serve him. You're going to be in his, his service. You're going to understand that that is what you are. You are a servant of God. And he will bless you as a result of that. And when you're able to do that, you will find favor and high esteem in the sight of God in man. When you're able to do what he's been talking about, you will find high esteem. Over in Hebrews 11, around verse 16 in that area. You can't find it, just read the whole chapter. It makes a statement, and I think about it periodically. For those that were faithful to God, he was not ashamed. God was not ashamed to be called their God. Nobody want to say that about you? Wow. I mean, it's just, think about it. But go back and read all of chapter 11. Look at that list. And then go back and read about their lives. Read about Abraham, up and down. 
Read about the others that are given, and there's their high points and their low points. But the faithfulness to God is of such a nature that God is not ashamed to call them his people, or to be called their God, and that he would prepare a place for them. That's the comfort. That's the confidence that God has in his people. Does he have it in you? Or do you have that confidence that God is able? Go back to Ephesians 3.20. Our God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Able to do exceedingly abundantly. Again, I've mentioned that time. Spend some time on your tablets and, and all those things. Have you got the concordances there? Just type in the word exceedingly. Type in the word abundantly. Overflowing. Look at those expressions that is used in God's reference to us. What he does for us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Look how he deals with us, how abundantly he supplies us. Every need that we have, he has supplied us. And how do we respond in the life that we live? You find favor in the sight of God and of man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. There's a good one for us. Trust in the Lord in all things. Trust Him. Well, it may not work out the way I think it ought to. No, trust Him. Trust God. You do your part, He'll take care of His part. You may not see how that fits in. I mean, you may get burned in the process. There may be, you know, end, uh, end of Hebrews 11, verse 35 and following, it may not look pleasant for you at all. But again, it's not the physical that we're looking at. It's the spiritual and it is the eternal. Quit trying to figure out the best deal for life. We spend a lot of time doing it. Well, I'll do this, if I can do this, I'll get all these things straightened out. Do God's will. Let him work. He's the potter. We're the clay. And again, Jeremiah 18, verses 1 through 6. I mean, how many times, <laughs> I don't know, how many times do we mar the clay? <laughs> We're the clay. How many times do we mar it? And he has to reshape it. The joy is that he will always reshape it. Always reshape it. It will always use the clay that is soft and pliable. I like Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, because I do not like Jeremiah 19, verse 10. There's when the vessel has been hardened and then cannot be changed. The only thing you can do with that vessel then is to break it. It's destroy it. It's no good any longer. I want to be the vessel. Even though I mar it up, that he can mold into shape and would never, ever get it figured out. What is that vessel? 
The only thing I know about the vessel that is in God's hand is that's whose hand it's in. And I want to be pliable in God's hand. Now, however he chooses to mold that vessel, and whatever direction he chooses to use that vessel, and whatever activities that vessel is used, that's his. Not mine. That's his. Well, I think I could do a better job here than I could over here. And I don't understand why I need to be over here until sometimes I find out why. There's a reason God has. You find out somewhere down through life that your life is not for you. You touch the lives of countless people. And what happens to you may be the very catalyst that will help another person draw strength from God. If you can do it, I can do it. And I'll go on. If you went through what you went through and come out on top, I can go through it as well. We're here to help one another. We're here to encourage one another. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. All your ways acknowledge Him. Whatever it is, whatever I can do, whatever I have been given, I, realize, I need to realize that that's what it's been. I have been given. He's blessed me. He's watched over me. He's guided me. He's lifted me up when I've fallen. He's lifted me up when I hit my head against the wall. You know, sometimes it's hard to make doorways when they're not doorways there. Sometimes, somewhere down the line, you learn to quit hitting your head against the wall. I want to go right, well, there's a door there, so I put one down the middle. I want to go through right there. And I'm intent, and my, all my focus is right there. That's where I want to go. This is how I want to be used in God's service. This is where I think he wants me to be. And I won't even look at the door back there. And I'll fight tooth and toenail to try to get through there where there's not a door. And I'll miss that door that God wants me to go through. Tender heart. Open heart. And a yielding spirit is what God is looking for. So as you look at your life and your relationship, where is it? Good thing I wrote it down because I liked all three of those on that page I turned over to. <laughs> I almost looked at cra Bring Christ Your Broken Life, but it does begin with the song that we are about to sing. That's your determination. That's your action. You have to make that decision. Yield not to temptation. For yielding is sin. And understand that each victory will help you, another to win. You have to make that choice. You have to decide here and now, I'm God's, I belong to Him, and I'm going to serve Him. If that's not your life, it needs to be. If you need to make a change in your life so that can be your life, you need to do that. If you need that strength not to yield the temptation, you need to do that. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way in making that life right with God, so that he would be pleased to call you his child.
we bid you to come as together we stand and sing. Yield not to temptation.